welcome to UCYP, where we have uphill conversations with young professionals. Real conversations with bright, forward-thinking YPs. You know, every generation is different than those who've come before. And rather than generalities, we want to hear unique, individual perspectives of the generation that's currently on the rise. We want to elevate the voices, talent, and contributions of YPs in order to build a bridge to connect the past, present, and future generations, helping them to be heard, to be understood, and ultimately, to see them lead. Well, hello, everybody out there in the world. Um, I'm Tim. And I'm Megan. And we're here with another episode of UCYP, Uphill Conversations with Young Professionals. Some of the coolest people you could ever meet, besides, like, I don't know, my dog, Maverick. (laughs) He's actually pretty cool. Who's not really a person. He is. (laughs) If you talk to him. Well, he believes he is. He is definitely a person. Dog person. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so we have a great guest today. Um, and Kate, or Katie, I was calling her Kate. She goes by Katie. And um, I met her some years ago, but she's really, like, involved in theater and all that stuff. And little secret about me is that, like, I can act out a whole lot of, like, theater stuff. Hmm. That's all you got? You can act out a lot of theater stuff? Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Like the what describe so I am like what was a theater person I guess I'm really not anymore I guess I still am. Like so what I, is what is theater stuff? Like so for me anything mm-hmm. theatrical like I got I wanted to be Friar Tuck in Robin Hood when I was in elementary school. That's awesome. And so there was a song I was supposed to sing, and I didn't get the part. I was a little frustrated. And fire truck, fire fire truck, fire truck, <laughs> fire truck. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that a funny. Hey, we're gonna keep that. So yeah, no, fire truck though. It was like so he was described as a rotund guy. I was like you know not rotund, <laughs> and I was like narrow. So I didn't get the part, but I ha- I could sing really well. Mm-hmm. So then we had to do another play when I was at um, Pleasant Valley Elementary School, mm-hmm. and there was. Um, a play where they did it around music and I got to sing, but I still didn't get to act though, the part. So they used me to sing though. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I got to do the, Hey, you. <laughs> so it was like all these different periods of music. Mm-hmm. And I, I got to sing the Beatles, you know, or John Lennon, Hey Jude. Yeah. And it was really cool. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I thought I was really cool, but I was like, why won't they act, let me act anything out though? <laughs> And so there was, when I was in high school, Pirates of Panzance. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to do that. And a lot of it was because I think I was a little nervous also because I was an athlete and I didn't want to kind of like show up. So this is me admitting, like, possibly that I had a little pride too. And I kind of struggled with theater, mm-hmm. you know, but I loved it. And like, mm-hmm. I used to go to bed listening to like Phantom of the Opera, the CDs, um, and then Les Mis. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other shows and stuff like that. I've got collections of like Rent and mm-hmm. all these other like I got the big thick books like and I read them mm-hmm. like cover to cover. Yeah. So, um, anyways, that's what you get. And we're interviewing someone who literally lives in the world of theater. Yeah, it was really fun for me to talk with who Katie. is a theater major. 
Yeah. So yeah, Katie's a theater major. I was a theater major, so it was really fun to hear her story and her journey. Uh, very similar to mine, but um, she ended up back in the nonprofit world and actually pursued that after college. I kind of went a different direction because such is life. Um, but yeah, she was really cool to talk to, and um, she brought up some really great points. And I just love um, her desire to put something positive back into the world. So just having a net positive life. And that's probably my favorite thing that she said in the interview. So I know you guys are really going to enjoy it. And net positive was like strong though. Yeah. It wasn't like she just kind of threw out like this. No. You got to hear how she just talks about it. Like, and she just drops it in Mm -hmm. net positive. Mm -hmm. And I think I like how she talks about how things are transferable, Mm -hmm. where a lot of people don't realize that. Like, they're so stuck on what they see. Mm -hmm. They don't realize that they can take a lot of what they have, and it can be transferable. And so, um, you know, I think she had a little bit of that in her upbringing. Um, I'm sure life kind of played a part in that as well. But I just like how she was actively involved in thinking about, Mm -hmm. like, like really where she's going, Mm -hmm. not just, like, you know, just what she's doing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean, Mark? Yeah. And I think she just approaches that whole idea of balance and has a really, uh, really positive outlook on the world, but also very, um, realistic. She's very chill too. Mm-hmm, very chill. So, hey, how can people get in touch with us? So you can please connect with us out in the world of social media. You can find us on Facebook, Uphill Conversations. We also have a Facebook group out there, UCYP, um, Uphill Conversations for Young Professionals. Profes- <laughs> Uh-oh. Uphill Conversations for Young Professionals. I told you not to Novocaine in your mouth. <laughs> Didn't I say don't? No, no more oh Novocaine before you come in here. Oh, my gosh. So You're please- the only person I know that itself. <laughs> so please join us on the conversation there. Uh, we always love to hear from from you. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the UCYP. Well, without any further delay. Oh, wait a second. What? Here's the delay. I got to throw it in. Um. So this episode will be live Um. February what? 7th. So... Today is the 7th yeah. of February. Correct. So there is a Super Bowl champion. We don't know and who so it is. And so we yet. don't know who it is. So we're recording this prior to that. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope it's the New England Patriots. But, but fun, our fun friend, fact. fun fact, is that our guest, Katie, her husband is like a diehard Eagles fan. And her daughter dresses in eagles gear and my daughter dresses in pat's gear so we're going to put those pictures and you should see them up live of our two girls wearing the appropriate teams and one of them (laughs) is happy and the other one is not but they're still happy because they're kids yeah they're just happy people so anyway without any further delay let's jump into this conversation with our wonderful guest katie Welcome to the show, Katie. Um, It would be awesome if you could tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and how you're showing up in the world. Hmm. Well, I am the professionally director of development for the Warehouse Theater here in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, I probably show up most in the world, though, um, as a 
very passionate advocate for the arts in our area, um, but I also am um, really engaged with my two kids. Um, one is two and one is a first grader, so I'm learning a lot about our school districts and how that works and um, becoming very passionate about all of those components in our in our area as well. Um, I think that uh, one of the best things about my line of work is that I do get to interact with a lot of my friends and professional sort of cohort um, in my work life, and it also kind of bleeds over into my personal life as well, um, which is a pro and a con that you manage uh, as you as you go. Um, so it's busy, but it's full, and that's mm-hmm. that's very exciting. And getting used to our wonderful school district, like the three days we had off of school. <laughs> well, here's a funny thing. I actually live in Anderson County. Oh. Uh, my husband works for Clemson University, okay. so we kind of split the difference. And my daughter literally lives 100 yards from another day off of school <laughs> because <laughs> we are 100 yards from the county line. And um, and uh, so whenever Greenville County gets out and Anderson is in, um, a bunch of her friends are you know celebrating a day off and she's He's got to go to school. Oh, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you're a big advocate for arts in mm-hmm. the Greenville area. And um, people who aren't from here, they may not uh, know about kind of what our art scene is. But I'm curious to, I guess, go a little bit further with that. Mm-hmm. So what, what kind of was your path that got you into the arts? And what do you think is it about the arts that you're really passionate about? Well, so... Going way back and very briefly, I started um, college at the University of Minnesota in Minneapolis as an environmental science major, and I was going to save the world. (laughs) Yep, very clear about that. Had a total five-year plan, very clear. Um, But I had done theater in high school um, as a very, you know, small town not, you know, I got to do everything. Mm -hmm. I was on stage, I was singing, I was dancing, but I was also hanging lights and building scenery and all of that. And so that was just a part of who I was. Um, But I envisioned this very separate career path from my, you know, my avocation in theater. Um, And when I got to college, I had a couple of successful semesters sticking to that plan. And then I got to soils and hydrology, Um, Nothing against the soils and hydrology folks out there in the Mm -hmm. audience. I'm sure it's a fascinating field. Uh, It was not for me. (laughs) And I had one of those epiphany moments standing in the bookstore trying to talk myself into buying a $200 textbook that I couldn't even get through the introduction of. And I'd already read everything I needed to do for the next semester for my theater classes. Mm-hmm. And so I had that moment of, I got to I gotta figure this out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that conversation with my parents where there was a long pause when my dad said, and I'm sure you've considered the career path for mm-hmm. theater. <laughs> and I said, absolutely. Uh, just, you know, bluffing my way through that one. But um, as I got further into the theater arts, I, I found that I really enjoyed the technical aspects of theater and what a wonderful and diverse and just absolutely rich field of um, professional opportunity there was for that. So I'm still very passionate about environmental issues, um, but that is, you know, that's a passion project. That's not my, that's not my career path. So um, I ended up working after college as a prop artisan and a scenic um, designer, although 
now that I have worked with some incredible scenic designers, I was just sort of dabbling. But I was a very good prop artisan and scenic um, carpenter, um, welder, and worked with a lot of nonprofits in the freelance aspect of that, which led me to um, working for a company that did trade shows and Mm. um, event marketing, which was this incredibly easy jump because it's theater. It's corporate theater. You know, you're creating an environment that is going to convey a very specific message and leave people feeling a very specific um, call to action or, you know, have this very um, creative and also targeted moment with your audience. Um, And I I had all of the construction background I needed to do that. Um, And it was really fun. Also, it was just super fun. (laughs) So, um, So I did that for quite a while. I got to travel with my clients, which was awesome, and create these great relationships relationships and developed the realization that that was the part that I loved about what I did was having the relationship with the client and facilitating their dream into reality. Um, But when we decided to start a family, all of the travel was not not really a reality that we could could manage. Um, and so I went back into working with nonprofits and um, realized that I could take what I had learned from creating those relationships with my clients and facilitating their dreams into reality into helping um, nonprofits that I had been working with all along um, take their dreams into reality um, in the arts administration side of things. So I ended up kind of coming completely full circle. My first contract when I moved to Greenville in 2004 was for the Warehouse Theater as their prop artisan for the year, um, their prop master. And um, I was able to, in 2012, take um, the role of development director, which was the first time it had been a full-time dedicated position. So it was really a very cool homecoming to kind of come full circle back to that and making the, the dreams of the organization a reality through working with our donors. Um, I I like the transferable part. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people don't realize that most of life is taking what's already in you and learning how to shift it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And what they do is they try to keep stuffing the same thing into the same spot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, wait a second. Like, so you recognize like what was important and how do you shift without killing everything, Mm -hmm. you know, but you could also say it's going to be, it's going to be different. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So you make that shift. Like, so did you like, how did you get there? Like, so for folks listening, like um, I did a project with GE in 2002 and I helped them save a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. I made a video Mm -hmm. and it was so they wouldn't lay off a whole bunch of um, of their contractors Mm -hmm. and or, you know, yeah, their contract employees. And it was basically like, you know, our Six Sigma process, our engineers, our computing power. um, you know, if you have, you know, uh, heat transfer, you know, so we can spin something at 600 miles an hour, heat it up beyond the melting, you know, it would melt metal, mm-hmm. but because we know how to cool mm-hmm. and we can keep it cool, it won't melt. Mm-hmm. And there's like a tolerance of 15 sheets of paper as this thing spins that fast inside. Right. And so I had an engineering background, so I understood kind of mm-hmm. a little bit of that. And I did manufacturing and then, but I was, it was my job to help tell the story. Mm -hmm. I'd help them put that story together. So what they did was help tell the story to other people like, oh, well, motorcycles have cooling fins. Mm -hmm. That's heat transfer. You know, a compressor on a refrigerator, cooling fins. Right. That's heat transfer, right? We don't want to take your business. We want to say we have people 
that we could outsource to you, right? Mm-hmm. We can outsource these people to help you do what you do. So it was a process. It was a lot of conversation and discussion. I'm mm-hmm. curious about that in yourself. How, you know, how many times did you speak to someone about that? How do you take what you know and mm-hmm. transfer it over? Mm-hmm. Was your journal your best friend? Mm-hmm. Was like, what did you do? Like, talk about getting yourself to say, let me set myself up to take what I know and shift it. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. They may they may think about it and go, I think it could work. Mm-hmm. But how did you get there? Because it's a big shift. What you just said, right? Yeah. You know, and you were with Gophers, right? <laughs> right. Oh, Minnesota. yeah, yeah. Gophers. I, I I know a lot about sports. So so the Gophers, right? Mm-hmm. And here you are doing this other thing, which was great. But then mm-hmm. you move into arts. Like that's a big shift. But you took the things that were salient, indigenous, mm-hmm. and true to you, and you moved them over into another field. Mm-hmm. What was that like? Well, that is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about arts as an incredible base for any industry, um, because I feel like what you learn, whether you're um, doing theater or dance or museum studies or um, you're a fine artist, um, you're you're having to step into a lot of different roles all the time. Mm-hmm. And so you're creating this very diverse set of soft skills that are really that's a tough thing to develop in anyone. And it, it just sort of happens intuitively. Like you said, when you're, when you're studying um, in those fields and it's so wonderful to be able to apply them to different things. And I think that's why I get very excited when universities like, like the Gophers, yay, um, <laughs> uh, you know, have a lot of interdisciplinary um, work that they do together, you know, and it's happening at a lot of universities now, I think because they're realizing that those are the things that help people when they get off the stage and where they've moved their little tassel over. It's great to get them to that moment. Congratulations. Yay. But then you have to continue with the rest of your life. And um, and so I, I feel really fortunate that um, a lot of my background was in theater arts where you are constantly working with a big group of people to achieve a common goal. So you can call yourself a stage manager when you get into the rest of the world. You could also call that a project manager and work for any number of Fortune 500 companies or start your own company and be successful because you've had that process. Um, so I think that's kind of just what happened in my life, too, was that the things that were um, that I was successful at in each one of those roles really kind of stemmed back to that first um, first training, I guess, is a way to put it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, experiences that I had putting on shows, whether it was in our tiny little student theater or working professionally in the summer for large uh, corporate theaters, um, you end up knowing how to work with a team and knowing how to put a team together. And, you know, you're dealing with deadlines, you're dealing with personality quirks, you're dealing with all of these things that it's going to be the same, whether you're walking into a big, huge, shiny high rise somewhere, or you're starting your own business, or you're staying in the arts and and working um, in that field. Um, I did have one sort of, um, again, an epiphany moment, I guess, when I was doing um, event marketing. it's an incredible field and it's a really exciting field to be in, but there's also a lot of waste in that field um, because you're sending stuff off to trade shows or off to events, you know, product launches and things. And a lot of times they don't come back, right? So it's just getting dumped somewhere. And I was sitting on a crate 
waiting for all of my stuff to get picked back up because the company I worked for was really good about not wasting things. Um, but I was watching all of this waste happen around me in this giant convention center in Las Vegas. And I was thinking about finishing my arts administration degree and going back into working with nonprofits. And I realized I just really wanted to have a net positive career path and net positive life. So not everything you're going to do is going to be a positive impact. You know, you're going to have to make some choices where, you know, you may have to take a contract or a job that doesn't always leave a net positive um, or, you know, 100 percent positive, but that overall I wanted it to be um, something that I could walk away at the end of my career and say, you know, net result was uh, a really positive one. And the arts administration for me was the, the clearest choice at that point then because um, there were so many opportunities in that field helping organizations achieve those goals and really supporting whether it was, um, I worked for the Children's Museum for a while and um, got to work with some incredible leaders there and they have an awesome mission for our community um, or coming all the way back to theater. Um, so I think, I think, having an arts background really helps you take those moments, like you said, and transfer them into other parts of your life without losing a whole lot of, of your, your momentum or your excitement for what you're doing. Well, needless to say, I can tell you're very thoughtful about it. It wasn't just like this kind of, I'm sure you tried things, like you, oh, yeah. you, know, you, you would test your thinking, but I just like how you spend time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people make choices and they're not thinking. And then they try to correct the choice that they made that they didn't think about. And they're not thinking about the new choice that they just made mm -hmm. that they didn't think about the last one. Right. You understand what I mean? <laughs> right. So it's right. like, it's just quick correction movements. And I mm -hmm. like that yours is more based on forward progress. And it sounds like you're taking the things forward that you say, and I like it. You're using the word net. You're mm -hmm. looking for gain. Mm -hmm. It's not just you're making a change to get back to deficit neutral right <laughs> and that's what most yeah. people do they make lateral moves or they mm -hmm. do deficit neutral mm -hmm. right right but you're saying how do i progress how do i bring the best thing and then with that whatever i engage in it's got to give me something back mm -hmm. you know like something's got to mm -hmm. come back to me or where else am i going to get energy where am i going to get power from mm -hmm. like how do i get you know what i mean it's like mm -hmm. i can screw in that you know, we're looking at there's an overhead there. Mm -hmm. I put a bulb in there and power is supposed to be hooked up, but I can screw a bulb. If the wires aren't connected, it's not going to work. Right. So it's kind of like whatever we're bringing to the table, we're mm -hmm. hoping that the other part's going to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. Or mm -hmm. maybe we're the wires and someone's trying to put their bulb in. Right. Mm -hmm. So in that, I like what you're saying. That's where I feel like to me, I, I kind of dig it. And I think mm -hmm. it works for you. Mm -hmm. And the reason it works is not because it gave you this grandiose success. <laughs> this is not about success. Mm -hmm. I feel like your story is more about significance. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I think that that is something when I was very fortunate to have a dad who is um, – a uh, big part of his career was in career planning. Um, and he worked for a small college where he implemented, um, it was revolutionary at the time. Now it's something most colleges do or, or, you know, most universities where you take sort of like a skills assessment test. 
he was one of the first um, people who got into doing that and enforcing it um, and was working on um, different ways of doing that. So I've taken way too many of those. Um, <laughs> if you ever How need, many? oh, I don't know. <laughs> anytime, anytime. Are a new, you a skills assessment test junkie? Oh, I no. Well, actually, um, I, 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 I kind of. Um, or were you his test lab? I was. Like, yeah, I was. You were the, the lab, mm-hmm, whatever yep, person. Yep. Because <laughs> if, um, if, if as a high school kid, I could game it and make it say something that he knew wasn't true about me, then he was like, this isn't a good product. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah, it's, awesome. it's a true story. Uh, and so now um, I, I feel bad because I actually have like no interest ever in taking them and like they'll pop up, you know, um, people have different surveys or, or things and, you know, I'm always a good sport, obviously. Um, like Leadership Greenville, we did one that was great because we learned a lot about each other, but as I was doing it, I was like, mm-hmm, yep, okay, I know what I'm gonna, yep, all right. <laughs> you know. I know what to uh, check here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you have to try really hard to be purposefully truthful, right? And like do your first instinct instead of, okay, well, let's see if I say this, it's going to put me slightly to the left of the center of the X, or I'm going to be an NFP, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, so uh, I like this person. But, <laughs> but it was a really, it was something that I didn't realize until later in life how fortunate I was to have my dad, you know, doing those with me and then talking about them. We laugh about them and stuff too, but, um, but it, it was a really huge asset to have moving forward because we had all those conversations about you can't – maybe, maybe it's possible to have, like, money, flexibility, um, you know, all of the things you want in a job plus an incredible family life and live exactly in the country or the world where you want to be. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe that's possible. But if you spend your whole life trying – to achieve that, and that's your only measure of, like you said, success, then you might as well just start playing the lottery because mm-hmm. you've got about as much of a chance of achieving and it. And you'll get a lot of false positives, though, because mm-hmm. a lot of people get them for a long time, right. and then life, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't just hit them, mm-hmm. it punches them in the right. face. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's Got like, a long way to fall. Whoa. Yeah, mm-hmm. because they have all this mm-hmm. false positive confidence, and they don't realize that, could you begin again? Mm-hmm. Could you start again? Could you learn again? Would you? You're like, you know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. a whole other world. And mm-hmm. that's really cool that you, I mean, I, that's like, well, applause to your dad if he listens to this, that mm-hmm. like a lot of, you know, I mean, I think your dad needs to maybe start a uh, Facebook page <laughs> for other parents to, you know, help kids mm-hmm. understand life mm-hmm. is a lot different. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and it's worth discovering things. Right. And you should, but, mm-hmm. you know, be ready to be you know, changed. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And and be ready to like, you know, look at it as an arc or a trajectory instead of just, you know, you've, you've achieved it, you're done. You can just hope that it happens, you know, that everything stays together and that it doesn't shift or fall apart. Um, and I think there's a little bit too of as a as a quote unquote young professional. I'm glad y'all are interviewing me now, so I don't you know I get this chance before I like age out. Um, I'm when excited. Do you age out? I, I don't know. That's What's not a, the, you're supposed to say you're not supposed well, to I ask think, a lady I, that I question. I think what? you're it probably would, my age. What is, did you graduate in 2004 from college? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so we're the same age. And I graduated yeah. in 2002. Okay. See, <laughs> I never know like what the definition is at the theater. People always know. ask me like, so when 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 do I, I think, not I think, get like, to come well, to YPN night? Technically, well, both of you like 40 is when you age out. But the both of you look like 25. 
Well, thanks. Thank you. Nice. Um, So it's just really fun because, and you said you graduated in 2004, so I'm sitting here Mm -hmm. um, very sort of similar. uh, So I did theater from the time I was little up until college, and then I said, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to be a doctor. I want to be a surgeon. This is the career path that I want. And I had a couple of good semesters, and then um, and then I, but I was just like, man, this is it. Just wasn't fulfilling me, and mm-hmm. I found myself kind of, um, and I, you know, I went to a school where I didn't know anybody. It was out of state. It was relatively small, and and I'm there, and I was just like, I don't feel like I'm in, like fitting in. I wasn't, mm-hmm. so I was like, I know where I can go, where people will accept me for who I am. So mm-hmm. I went and I did a student production. Um, was an assistant stage manager. You mm-hmm. know, did not get cast because mm-hmm. I, I was way out of my league. And um, then that just sort of started. So I remember having the conversation with my dad. Dad, I'm going to go to biz- a business major. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to do a little bit of theater on the side. And then I remember the conversation of I'm going to move to theater. And mm-hmm. and kind of like with it was like that real life thing. My, my dad was like, okay, well, what are you going to do with that? Because you're going to come yeah. out of school with these tens of thousands of dollars in loans. How are you going to make a career of that? What's the path? And, you know, life happens and, and things shift and change. But um, I, I totally agree with you on having transferable skills, definitely Mm -hmm. having to figure out how to work as a team, bringing Mm -hmm. things together. Think on your feet. (laughs) Think on your feet. Uh, It's it's awesome because you have so many different people, different backgrounds. Great. Uh, I think you really get to see the wonderful things that happen when you have different people with different thought processes mm-hmm. and how that all comes together. Um, mm-hmm. And what I, I, I lo- what I really pulled out of that was that this whole idea of a net positive life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a cool thing. I'm probably going to steal it. Just so you know, I'm gonna, go for it. Start showing up everywhere. Go for it. <laughs> um, but, but I, I think that's so cool. And I think one of the the things about theater that I I always did kind of straight theater when I was in school. So I wasn't really into musicals. I did some comedies, but I mm-hmm. just loved. Um, shows that dealt with difficult topics. So my mm-hmm. senior year production, um, I did God's Country, which mm-hmm. um, is very controversial, uh, no matter, I think, where you do it. But mm-hmm. I did it, you know, at Notre Dame on a, on a campus where it was very controversial. Um, and that's what I loved. Mm-hmm. I loved being able to bring to light these topics that are maybe taboo and that people don't like to talk about and to create mm-hmm. conversation. So um, if people aren't familiar with the Warehouse Theater, that is one of the <laughs> things that I think is really awesome about them is they mm-hmm. seem to kind of push the envelope and mm-hmm. um, really do shows that are thought provoking and, and, you know, make people sort of question maybe their ideas and their way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something that attracted you to the Warehouse? Oh, yeah. And, um, and how involved are you kind of in helping to pick the shows that they do? Well, so if I was going to sit down and write the mission statement of a theater, like if I just won the lottery, you know, if I actually did play the lottery uh, and I just won tomorrow um, and got to found a theater, I would have written the mission statement for the Warehouse Theater. So it's awesome because uh, they already did in mm-hmm. 1974. And uh, and I think it's um, that's really fantastic for a couple of reasons. So, you know, producing plays that challenge the hearts and minds of our audience members um, was relevant in 1974. And it's kind of amazing, you know, looking at nonprofit life, uh, how little our mission statement has been rewritten. We revisit it every single year as a board, and it's just still relevant. Mm -hmm. So um, that is uh, interesting um, in, in context of our society that this type of art continues to be something that um, can be successful and important. Um, But we do try to select plays that not only have great artistic merit, so you're going to see a lot of Tony winners, you're going to see a lot of Pulitzer Prize winners, um, 
but you're also going to see a lot of new plays and a lot of Shakespeare, um, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, a base of our, our canon of work. Um, and then we we don't do a lot of musicals, but there are some that are just absolutely right for our space and um, that allow us to hire um, a great band because we we only do live music for our musicals. Um, so we get to hire some really incredible musicians. Um, the season really comes together with our producing artistic director. Um, I have a little bit of input in the sense that we're really collaborative staff. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's one of those things where any idea is is welcome. Um, it may not get picked. It might not get picked ever. It might not get picked for a while. So when I first started um, in 2012, one of the first things that I kind of started advocating for was doing Clyburn Park, mm-hmm. um, which we just did uh, at the beginning of this season. And it wasn't like no, that's a terrible idea. It was just it went on the big list, right? And mm-hmm. and I think that's probably one of those life life relatable moments too that you have your big list and you just kind of keep distilling it down into what is the right thing. Um, and that's sort of how how we end up working. Um, Mike Sablone is our producing artistic director, and he selects the season. So I don't actually know what we're doing next season, but um, we do have a lot of conversations about. Um, what would work well in different parts of the year? Because there is a commercial aspect to it, right? I mean, we have to be a sustainable, viable (laughs) organization. So we do need to make sure that what we produce is going to be interesting to our base of subscribers, but also help us reach different portions of the community, um, hopefully as much as possible. And there are certain things that just work well at certain times of year too. Um, So, you know, typically you'll see Shakespeare for us in like the late winter, early spring. It just works better there for whatever reason. Um, we like to end things with usually the musical or um, or something that's going to be a little bit bigger cast kind of deal. Um, so there's there's a lot of data that goes into that, which I find fascinating, mm-hmm. and um, and I get to help with that. Um, I also act kind of as the the liaison for um, what our donors are talking about and what really resonates with them, um, and that certainly gets considered as well, which is a fun part of the process. Um, one of the things that I, I think that the theater does that um, I'd love to just kind of share a little bit more about is that we produce a series of forums, and those tie with each one of our main stage shows. So the Wednesday before a show opens to the public, we do a forum from 6.30 to 7.30 that's free. It's open to everybody. Just come. There's no ticket. There's no reservation. That's the two most common questions. Um, and we Put together a panel of experts on that topic, um, and that's done at a committee level with board members and community members. It's not just our staff trying to sit around and think, gosh, what's relevant to the Greenville community? Um, mm-hmm. Because we need a broader perspective than ours, but um, it's a great series. And then right after that conversation, there's a um, preview that's open to educators and students uh, for a $5 ticket, and so they can come in and get to see. It's, it's ready to you know, ready to be seen. It's a preview, but um, it's been kind of gaining ground as far as a series and the forums have covered everything from, um, you know, very serious topics with a lot of expert engagement um, from suicide to um, cycles of abuse, whether that's emotional, sexual or um, substance abuse 
Uh, we've talked about campaign finance reform. We've talked about zombies, actually. Um, when we did Evil Dead the Musical, we had this really fantastic panel about why are we obsessed with the undead and had these incredible experts that are here locally. Um, I have an answer you know, for that. It was fantastic. <laughs> we romanticize it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all mm-hmm. around romanticizing things mm-hmm. because most people feel like their life is dead. Mm-hmm. And so if they can see, it's weird, mm-hmm. psychologically, people see that, and it's almost like this cold, this undead individual, like somehow it can spark something that, because it moves them into a fantasy, mm-hmm. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Then it can almost feel it's romanticized. Yep. And you can fascinate over that. You, you can get really drawn into this whole picture. Oh, yeah. I wasn't invited to that panel Oh, I'm sorry. But I, just threw I wish. That out there. Well, I'm just kidding with you. I was gonna say you never. It may come up again. The Walking Dead is still like what, one of the. I know. Trust uh, me. But I mean, but that's what it is. It's like you, we romanticize those types yeah, of things yeah. because it's almost like the absence of feeling in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and that's exactly the kind of um, the kind of conversation that we have, and and they're really really wonderful conversations. Um, and I've been so excited about. Um, the folks that have been willing to engage in our panels um, and the fact that we end up having sometimes I feel like when you have a moderated panel you end up with like four people sitting at the front of a room and everybody in the audience kind of passively accepts what they're saying mm-hmm. um, that is not the vibe <laughs> it is very much a um, pushback not well I wouldn't say it's um, I mean good pushback yeah like I, it's a good I was gonna it's say, like a two-way conversation exactly exactly it's yeah. much more of you know we go through and and part of that is Jonathan Parker um, is our moderator mm-hmm. and he's fantastic and just part of the conversation exactly yeah. it's, it's a brother from another mother with me <laughs> he and I are Siblings, yeah, <laughs> different colors, <laughs> but united in one mind. Uh, yeah, and he just does a really lovely job of making everyone feel welcome enough to talk about some really tricky stuff. Um, and I've been very excited to have so many students attend because you know they're having those conversations back on campus, you know, um, and and that they're they're really engaged in that. And then you know, yes. When you come, you get to go to the $5 student preview, and we will make sure you have a playbill to get your class credit. Also important. Let me ask you this question. Like, you know, um, you know, you have on Broadway, off Broadway, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you have big screen, you know, then you get people delivering everything to the computer. Mm-hmm. Like with how do you or do you? OK, two things. Do you see? people less interested in going to local theater because they feel like it's not as good. So in other words, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the Greenville drive has done a great job because it's minor league baseball, but it's pro level. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these guys have been called up to the bigs, Mm -hmm. to the Boston Red Sox right Mm -hmm. here in our downtown, but they've done a good job to cultivate that talent to be Mm -hmm. able to present it as such. Obviously they have the dollars Mm -hmm. and the positioning. A lot of things are in their favor as well. There you are at the warehouse theater, you know what I mean? And I know it's a struggle and it's mm-hmm. arts. And we see people always talking about don't let the arts go. People want to appreciate and embrace the arts. But when it comes to local arts, number one, do you feel like is there a climb in it? Or do you feel like there is either a stigma or some sort of decline that kind of harms it a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Because of all the bigger things, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. bigger in- entertainment. And then also, like, what would you say to a person if they were saying, you know, well, I would rather go to the Peace Center Mm -hmm. instead of the Warehouse Theater. 
in other words, like, because I feel like that it'll feed that mentality mm-hmm. if they just go to Peace Center only. Right. Which I celebrate. I mean, I love arts. Mm-hmm. So I want to go see that. But I feel like that small setting, mm-hmm. people don't realize how much talent is in that room. Mm-hmm. It's like the best people you ever heard musically. Like you too, when they big, do a big tour up in New England, they'll go to a little tiny joint and like the Rolling Stones are doing it called Toad's Place in New Haven, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And they'll just go right in there and they'll do a gig by surprise. Mm-hmm. And it's like the big show on the tiny stage with right. 500 people, mm-hmm. you know, max. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you answer those for me there a little bit? Well, so um, one, I would say to anybody who's like, oh, man, I, I go to the I go to the Peace Center and I'm, I'm a, you know, a Broadway subscriber. Why would I want to go to the Warehouse Theater? Um, one, I'd say thank you for going to the Peace Center and being a Broadway subscriber because one of the base things that I hope people realize about the arts is that we are an economic driver. So when you go to see a Broadway show at the Peace Center, you are not just getting an awesome experience. You literally are providing a um, job for everybody from the box office folks to the awesome custodial staff to the touring promoter to everybody on stage who is traveling across the country. Um, you know, there are literally hundreds of people, potentially thousands, depending on what kind of tour you're dealing with, who are benefiting from buying that one ticket. So you can feel good about the fact that not only did you get to see an awesome show? You also literally contributed to your economy, um, which is something that is true, um, you know, for film and TV and everything as well. But you get such an immediate feedback from that. Mm. Um, and that's something that that's a message that sometimes I think gets a little lost um, when we talk about the arts is that it's not just a philanthropic thing. It's a, it's an economic driver. So um, so thank you for supporting the Peace Center and um, and for uh for, you know, contributing to that. Um, But if you've been there and you've loved it, then come to the first Sunday of any of the shows that the Warehouse Theater does, and it's I pay what I can. Um, The first Sunday of any of our productions is I pay what you can matinee. So a dollar. As long as it's legal tender, (laughs) we will take it. And, um, and, And check us out because we are... 120 seats as opposed to over 2,000 right. seats. And you every are, seat's a good seat. Every seat is a good seat. <laughs> yeah. And you are literally going to be 20 feet from the performers, some of whom, and I would I would posit many of whom, are at a talent level that they could be on a Broadway tour. But like we've talked about your choices and your careers, right? There are a lot of people who are at that level, but they also are passionate about other things. And Mm -hmm. so they do their art after their nine to five job, Mm -hmm. or they do it in tandem with their nine to five jobs. There's a couple really fabulous performers in Greenville who um, easily could be on a national tour or be successful in a larger market like New York or Chicago or Atlanta, but they're architects or bankers or, you know, um, one of them's a lawyer. You know, it's, um, there's a a way to make that work in your life and still be able to perform. And so um, for Warehouse, we're a mashup of those things. So we're actually um, an SPT tier three equity theater, which we don't need to get in the weeds of that. But um, I just got lost. Yeah. <laughs> what it means is that um, we can hire all the local talent we want. It also means we can hire people who are equity actors from all over the country. And our casting calls go out through the equity network. Um, it gives us the opportunity to not only support people here locally who want to perform, um, whether it's as a, um, you know, as an actor, a musician, um, backstage cast and crew, um, or sorry, cat 
backstage crew or technicians, designers, directors, um, all of those different things. We had 212 contracts last year, just our little theater alone. Um, so, you know, when you buy that ticket, you're supporting those opportunities. You're also supporting those jobs. And you end up with this incredibly unique experience that is quite different than what you get when you go to, like you said, the big screen or the Peace Center. Um, it's all great. You might decide you end up liking the more intimate experience as well. Um, so that's what that Pay What I Can matinee is for. Come check it out. Um, I think as a whole, the arts, especially in our area, um, we are on an upswing. Um, I've Again, I've, I've been here since 2003, four, um, and it has been really incredible. Just, I mean, in Greenville, we are we are spoiled rotten, honestly, as far as like the number of opportunities to see really good art, whether that's visual arts, performing arts. Um, you know, we have some great museums. We have just a wealth of things to do, and that is actually one of our biggest challenges as, um, you know, as the warehouse theater. That's mm-hmm. one of our biggest challenges is trying to make sure that people know kind of what we produce, who we are, and that when they're looking at their sort of cultural diet of what am I going to do this weekend, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm feeling like I want, you know, this particular type of experience that they know where we are, how to find us, how to get a ticket to make that purchase, um, you know, just on the strictly logistical mm-hmm. business end of things. Mm-hmm. The wealth of things to do is awesome. It's also a strategic challenge that we tackle all the time. Yeah. Um, so cool. does that answer the question? I think it does. No, it, it, it does. I mean, it's, I mean, I was just saying, like, because I know most places, mm-hmm. there's a challenge, it's a decline. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we are kind of spoiled here. Yeah. And it's most people don't, because you're looking at all these other things, it's mm-hmm. like you want to make sure you elevate that enough to where people go, hey, mm-hmm. this is going on too. So with all your options, mm-hmm. so, I mean, we have good restaurant, we have good art. Mm-hmm. We do. That's <laughs> like, yeah. G Vegas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Katie, thank you so much for spending uh, so much time with us today. I know that our guests are going to enjoy uh, hearing from you a little bit about you, your perspective on the arts here um, in Greenville and just in general. What is the best way that they can connect with you? Where can they find you? <laughs> so I, um, I recently learned that I am a millennial and um, apparently... <laughs> Uh, I am not a good one. So I am actually really not, I, I'm not, I'm not on social media really. Um, so I would love it if people would email me. I'm Katie, K-A-T-I-E at warehousetheater.com. Email's not dead, Katie. Say it again. <laughs> Email's not dead. Yeah. No, no, but Katie, at what? <laughs> Katie at Theater, and it's warehousetheater, T-H-E-A-T-R-E. Com. It's spelled the snotty way, but we're not. We're not snotty. <laughs> I promise. Theater. 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 Yes. Theater. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much. You have been listening to another episode of UCYP, Uphill Conversations with Young Professionals, where we have three main goals. Number one is to elevate the voices of young professionals. Two is to build a bridge between generations, those ahead and those coming up behind. And last but not least, inspiring young professionals to lead. 